Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, Coomer, I hear it's no longer a great day, but I hear it's a fantastic day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. Don't get all self-conscious on me now. You've got people texting you, (laughs) getting in your head over copyright infringement over some announcer that may or may not have called Bengals games however many years ago. (laughs) Respect to that guy. It's a great day to be a Bearcat basketball fan. Another The Paradise Jam is over, and I have to say I'm not going to miss it. I'm glad the Paradise Jam, I'm glad we're leaving it behind. I'm sure the island treated you nicely. Um, We didn't have a tough slate coming into this tournament. We were playing Illinois State. We were playing Bowling Green. And then once we lost to Bowling Green, we ended up playing Valparaiso. All three games were nail biters. Two overtime games and a one-point victory over Illinois State. Who, by the way, finished eighth in this tournament. Just went, they lost today to Grand Canyon. It's rough. Just want to make sure we are pointing that out, that no matter how well Illinois State has played other teams in the American, that they did ultimately finish eighth in this tournament where we eked out a one-point victory. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. Let's, let's go. Well, we got, <laughs> we got the win tonight, and it's a, it's a good thing. So the Bearcats closed out their tournament with a 81-77 victory over Valparaiso. And I know getting the win makes you a little bit more calm, a little bit more tranquil, and I feel a little bit more at peace about the team. But I do feel like I've gained some perspective about how this team can proceed moving forward. And I have different opinions on the outlook, I should say. But first, Hummer, leaving the Paradise Jam, what you, what's a big takeaway for you? What, are you? what are you taking away from this tournament? Death. This team lacks death. I thought you said death. No, <laughs> death. Sorry if I'm not enunciating. Just for all you guys out there, I do not have my normal equipment with me. I am simply using earbuds and Skype. <laughs> so Hummer's referring but to death. depth. Death. Yes. Uh, I think we, we definitely have some glaring holes with, with our lineup in terms of who can play after the starters. You know, we have that, we do have a solid lineup from a starting perspective but moving past the sixth man there are some issues and and i do think brandon tried to address that tonight with the the lack of og being in the lineup by playing the freshman significant minutes which i actually did love seeing the amount of minutes coming out of zach harvey and and uh maw maw as as you were calling him earlier today I kind of like that nickname. Let's call him Maul. Yeah, Micah Adams-Woods got quite a few minutes tonight and closed out the game for the Bearcats. We didn't see McNeil at the end of the first, at the end of the second half, and he didn't play in overtime. And I have to think some of it's influenced by his awful performance at the free throw line the night before. Look, that's John Brandon believes free throws are entirely mental or 99% mental. And if he thinks that the game and the shot is in McNeil's head right now, and you can't trust him to take those free throws. You can't afford to have him in at the end of the game. And aside from that, McNeil, who is a fifth-year senior, has been having turnover problems. And the one thing you would expect to differentiate him and Micah Adams-Woods, a freshman, would be turnovers and sloppy play. But if McNeil's going to be sloppy with the ball and he's not going to make shots, 
there's not much of a reason to give him significantly more minutes than Micah Adams Woods at this point. And Micah really stepped up to the plate in a, in a big way in this final game against Valparaiso. Well, yeah, let's be honest. We were what five games into the season. And as for as much as we've heard McNeil being a great black practice player, it's not translating to the games. He's been a subpar shooter. He's been obviously he's just, he's performed subpar. So, you have to try other other combinations. Brandon alluded to it. I don't even say he alluded to it. That's that's the wrong way to put it. He straight up addressed it and said that we were going to learn about the Paradise Jam because he was going to try different combinations, which we saw. We mentioned last night on the on the recap that I saw one with Mama Mama Do and Vote out on the court at the same time. Very odd combination to have those two players on the court. Tonight he played it with freshmen, seeing what they can do, kind of let them run wild. Almost want to say he's like, well, what's it matter if we lose this one? You know, doesn't obviously want to lose, but let's give the freshman a chance to see what they can do. He's learning who he can trust. He's learning who I can put on the court and who's going to give me what I think I'm getting. Right. Like, I think with coaches, the biggest thing for coaches, they want to know what they're getting. And that's why practice, it always comes back to practice for them. Are you consistently practicing in a certain way? Are you are you giving me your best day in, day out? And the reason that matters to them is. It gives them a sense of when I put you on the court in a real game situation, I know exactly what I'm going to get. So after the game, Brandon alludes to the fact that Micah Adams-Woods has not been a consistent practice player, but that tonight he showed an ability on the court to step up and deliver for the team when we needed him most. So if Micah can find a way to be as consistent as as an 18-year-old can possibly be, I could very well see it that he does get more minutes. I don't think that it's going to be tough to see Micah as the starter. I don't, it's just hard to see Brandon going with the freshman, but I do think the minutes distribution is going to dramatically change going forward at the point guard spot. I don't think you're going to see Chris McNeil playing 35 minute games anymore. That's just, I honestly, I think, yeah, I I think you're on a trend there. I think McNeil's minutes are going to decrease. I think that as Zach Harvey, as we progress in the season, if he continues to play the defense that that he that that coach wants him to, his offensive game is hopefully it translates. But then that's going to ultimately result in McNeil taking more of a backseat role. And honestly, wouldn't we prefer that? Wouldn't we prefer a freshman like Harvey start showing signs early on as opposed to you know next year? Yeah, we do. Well, Harvey and Micah are are what we expect to be four year players. And so if I'm getting major contributions from them, as a, as a Bearcat fan, you feel great about that because they're going to come back next season that much better, that much more experienced, and we know how much talent we're losing going into next season. So this is a big... I think one of the biggest things, takeaways from Paradise Jam, and I wouldn't have said this after the Bowling Green game, I didn't say it after the Bowling Green game, is positive steps from Micah Adams-Woods and the youth movement. Jeremiah, Harvey. Let's be real. The Bowling Green game, you didn't have any freshmen playing. They rarely saw the court that game. Right. Well, Zach Harvey had some moments. Zach Harvey made some good plays in that game. He had Um, 10 minutes in that game. Yeah, and he's still not playing a ton of minutes. But we, so maybe, maybe I said that wrong. Maybe the Paradise Jam, the story coming out of Paradise Jam, aside from the injury bug, which you've got, we lost Jay Sarola. We lost Jaron Cumberland. We thought we lost Javen Cumberland, and we still may have a lingering issue there. He didn't seem like he played a ton of minutes tonight. But besides that, we are seeing flashes of really good basketball from our freshmen. That's great. I love it. I love seeing that. Because without them, 
There's just not a lot of depth. And I'll say it now. I said it yesterday. Uh, I said it after the Bowling Green game. Mamadou Diara and Trevor Moore, that's the other trend. They seem to be phasing out of the rotation. And I think in terms of Diara, he's probably going to still get some minutes as long as Sorolla's injured. Once he's back, neither of them is going to have a major role on this team um, with everybody else contributing the way they are at this point. Do you agree? I agree. That's where that's where you said it earlier. What are you seeing from the Paradise Jam? And I think the trend is what we're seeing is the lack of depth in the rotation here. Without Soroya, we only have vote. Mamadou is clearly not a big. He clearly cannot fill that void. Trey Scott, for as much love as I give him, is not a big. We're not playing him as a big. He's not capable of filling that void that Chris Vote has when he leaves the court. So we definitely have some issues in this team that we're going to have to keep certain players either healthy, out of foul trouble throughout the season. Otherwise, this team will not go very far. Vote has shown a lot of what let's call it for what it is. It's been five games, but he's shown a great, a great improvement from game one to today where he was fouling out against Thomas Moore. But now the last two games when we need him, he's in there at the end of the game. Granted, one of those results didn't go the way we wanted, but he's still in there. But without him, there's nothing. OG, I think we can potentially replace him. I think that's what Brandon was experimenting with tonight, is to see how can we survive without Jaron Cumberland if he's not in the lineup. I think that's why he played the freshman as much as he did tonight. And But I definitely think we could be running into some issues if these injury bugs are going to be lingering. If, if when we get the... Uh, better competition, that vote starts to be, be getting in the foul trouble. I really am concerned with what could be coming for our future. Vote, vote has been a revelation. He's the guy I was, he's, I was the most wrong on preseason, and I didn't have a ton of experience both watching. Of us, both I, of us were both wrong about but, him. I mean, we didn't watch a ton Let's, of Chris Vote, but you see the way he moves on the court. I read, you know, you read through the stats, you see the foul rate. And you see the fact that he couldn't be a major contributor on, you know, NKU, a completely different level of competition. I just assumed that's just a body. You know, that's just a big body we're throwing in to fill the paint on the defensive side of the ball and on offense he's setting picks. He's way ahead of what I thought he'd be. Um, Look, by no means is he like an all-star NBA-type prospect, but he is a really good contributor and a very important piece of this team. So kudos to Chris Vogt. Uh, he's making me eat crow in terms of how I talked about him and what I expected from him early in the season and before the season. Uh, but it's a very, very positive development for the Bearcats. And folks, don't get us wrong. On this podcast, crow tastes delicious. I love <laughs> it when players prove us wrong. I am more than happy to sit here and dine on a feast of crow when players, when players go out there and do it. I think what we should also hit on, Hummer, there's a ton of frustration on the interwebs about how the Paradise Jam went. And it's, it's understandable. I was extremely frustrated. I wouldn't want to read the text I sent to some of my buddies and my dad and, and other folks Me? about what, what was happening <laughs> during the game. Right. I don't want to. There was moments where you go to a really low place as a Bearcat fan. This was some bad basketball we saw on the court this weekend. There's no denying that. There's, there's no reason to say otherwise. But what's important, what, what the context and the perspective I was talking about earlier in the podcast is this. While we discussed preseason 
the style of play change we were going to see going from Cronin to Brandon. And it's fun to talk about, you know, a faster tempo, more three-pointers, man-to-man defense. These are just dramatic shifts in style of play. I think we downplayed how challenging the growing pains can be and what comes with a different style of play. And what I mean by that is one of the biggest themes of this tournament and early season is that the Bearcats are turning the ball over a ton. We cannot hang on to the ball. I think at one point tonight against uh, Valparaiso, we turned it over on five consecutive possessions. Wasn't that, that was at the very end of the game, too. And it's what led us to overtime. Let's, right. But one thing, terrible. That we, one thing we never necessarily gave Mick Cronin props for, and that style of play is, while it is a very plodding and methodical and just ineffective style of offense, what it does do very well, and what Cronin did very well, was minimize the turnovers. We weren't giving teams an opportunity to capitalize on our mistakes. Sure, we're not going to score a ton of points. We're not going to be an exciting offense to watch, but we're not going to beat ourselves. And, and Justin Jennifer proved that with how low his turnover rate was as a junior and a senior. We're, we're seeing the effects of playing a, in a faster tempo and introducing that style to a group of players who are coming from a system that's much more methodical and doesn't ask nearly as much from an offensive standpoint. And so those growing pains, having the perspective of what, what, it, what this transition entails, I think it's important moving forward. And Well, let, let, let me play devil's advocate here and not sit here and say it's a result of growing pains, but it's more a result of who has been given the keys to the kingdom in terms of running the offense. And I think that this and look, I don't want to sit here and say one player is horrible or one player is, is the worst or awful. But in this particular case, the guy who has been given the keys to the kingdom is Chris McNeil. And his play through the first five games has been incredibly lackluster. And I think you saw the frustration from Brandon tonight with giving the keys to the kingdom tonight to freshmen and relying less on a Chris McNeil. Right. Because McNeil has not has has not shown the ability to run the offense effectively, and to limit turnovers. Granted, we did have a ton of turnovers tonight, as well with the freshmen leading the offense. So I don't think that was the. I wanted to make sure. The, yeah, we have to touch on that. The freshmen are turning the ball over too, and they will. Yeah, right? Micah Adams Woods is not going to be. They're not, not our long term solution a, either. A seasoned vet in terms of hanging on to the ball and not making mistakes down the stretch. But they got to learn at some point. The way to minimize turnovers, though is once Jaron Cumberland is back, running more possessions that are that are simply getting the ball in his hands and letting him create offense. It's more caveman. It's more, it's old school. It's a little more ISO-based. It's putting all your eggs in the Jaron Cumberland basket. But he is the best decision-maker on the team. He's the best passer on the team. He's Jaron Cumberland is our James Harden. Yeah, and th- that is the perfect comparison. There's a place to slow down this offense at times once Jaron is back in the lineup and giving him the ball and letting him create the shots for others, get to the free throw line by dr- through driving and finishing at the rim. Honestly, that's how we see this turnover problem solved in some respects is taking a step back, moving back into a little bit more isolation-based offense, not full-time, but doing it some, especially in critical moments. Last five minutes of the game, we didn't have him in the last five minutes of the game against Bowling Green. And he wasn't out there tonight. And we had massive turnover issues. In the future, when Jaron Cumberland's playing, we're putting the ball in his hands 
and those tur- that turnover rate is going to plummet. Honestly, it's that's the answer in my opinion, and that's the that's the that's the solution John Brandon has to consider moving forward for this team. Now, while we're on John Brandon, because I don't want to let him completely off the hook, because I know the players play the game, but there's something that's just kind of starting to bother me is that of all the players that we have, like a game against Valparaiso tonight is a game that we shouldn't need Jaron Cumberland to win. Right. Like that's, I I 100% believe that. I think Brannon is failing to maximize the talents that he actually has. Keith Williams, honestly, this shouldn't even be a, this shouldn't even be a competition between you and I for the beer mile. Keith Williams should be averaging more points than Trey Scott. Just, just he should be shooting more threes. He should be making more. He should be getting more open shot. But for some reason, it's just it seems we're not. He's just he hasn't found a rhythm for the players. He hasn't found his vibe with how to play his style of basketball with these players. And it's curious if he's going to be. I, I'm wondering what do you think if if he's going to adjust or is it going to be brute force? This is my system. This is what we're going to do. He will adjust, and I think he is continually adjusting. I, I, I feel the same way. Right now, there's too many times during these games where you, you're wondering where Keith Williams is. You're wondering where Trey Scott is. These are the most, these are the best players on our team, the most reliable players on our team. And I don't always feel like they're being set up to thrive in the offense as it's currently constructed. You know, for Trey Scott, he's not shooting a high volume of three-pointers, and that might be based on the results in practice. But what Trey Scott, we know what we know Trey Scott can do is knock down a mid-range shot. And in the second half of the Alabama AM game, we saw him do that. They were zoning us up. We used Trey Scott in the high in the mid post. He was turning around and knocking down mid-range jump shots. That's in his game. So let's build that into our offense. Let's let's play to the strengths of Trey Scott. And with Keith Williams, finding ways to get him on the move where he has easy opportunities to attack the basket is where we need him. And so I think you're right. It's a fair criticism. Right now, he's certainly not maximizing the talents we have. Now, I don't necessarily think he would... I would. I don't know that I would expect him to be doing that four or five games into the season, but as we move along, we have to see that improve. Let's talk about it now. It's four or five games in the season, but we're now into November. Let's call it late November. We're three months into their practice season. Right. At this point, we need to be seeing noticeable steps towards improvement, not regression, which unfortunately I think we're starting to see a little more of regression than progression. I think we've seen more regression on the defensive side of the ball. This man-to-man yeah. defense, we're seeing guys lose players. It's a, it's it's mentally draining. It's mentally challenging to have man-to-man, and it takes a ton of effort. And that's where we're seeing the biggest slippage right now because against Ohio State, our defense was on point. I know we had a challenging second half, but – to start that game and overall that performance was exceptional. Um, each game as we've gone on, I mean, we played some pretty mediocre and average teams in this tournament, and they were scoring on us with relative ease. So that's something we definitely need to see improve. I've seen some regression. The defense is going to have to find. We're going to have to find a way to dial that in, and it might mean mixing in more zone. John Brandon doesn't like playing zone, but that that again comes back to. He needs to tweak the strategy of this team to fit the talents of this team. Eventually, John Brandon's going to have a group of players that fit his ideal system. But in the meantime, with a group of players that you didn't necessarily recruit, 
at least the key cogs who, who were left here, figure out a way to create a style of play that caters to their strengths. And I think if he does that, you're going to see us start stepping on the throats of these bad teams and not having nail biters against Valparaiso or against Illinois State, because frankly, we should be beating those teams down. Well said, because here, here's the, at the end of the day, and I'm, I'm, let's, let's get this out there in the open. I didn't play college basketball. You didn't play college basketball. But I'm going to assume, for better or for worse here, that the level of athlete coming from the Horizon League in general as a whole is, if you're taking the average athlete and comparing that to, say, the average athlete of the American Athletic Conference, so on up, you know, and then you can say, look at from the, uh, from the ACC and, and Big East, whatnot. There's going to be a level of competition that's just different. And athletes that are able to pull off more challenging schemes because of their overall better athleticism as a team. We're not playing in the Horizon League. I think there's just John Brannon needs to adjust. We can't be a one-scheme team. We're not in a league that's going to survive on a one-scheme team. Can't be a one-read quarterback in our league. And once we get in the league play, I think people underestimate the quality of the AAC. I think the league is okay. The bottom of it may be very bad, but the middle is okay and the top is great. So once we get into that higher level of play, it's not going to work only running one type of defense, running only one inbound play. We finally saw him institute a second inbound play or you know, into inbound defense, but he's going to have to take that to the next level we're not in the Horizon League anymore. I think it's time for John Brandon to step up to the plate. And he will. I'm, I'm, I still feel confident that John Brandon is going to figure this, figure this out. It's a long season, and there's, there's old expressions about to take two steps forward, you have to take three steps back. This Paradise Jam tournament, I'm going to classify as our three steps backwards. I think there were some steps backwards, but despite that, there were definitely silver linings. We see Micah Adams-Woods. We see Zach Harvey. Javen Cumberland's a stud, and he's not hurt significantly. That's a huge break for the Bearcats. Once you get these guys healthy and on the court, we have a great four- or five-day layoff coming up here. Let's get our team healthy, and let's get back on the court against UNLV. This, the progression of this team is not going to be linear, and that's a good thing because it means that we could see this team take off as the, as the complexities of this offense and this defense as players get more comfortable and John Brannon gets better at managing our lineups and figuring out how to put our players in better spots. So as the coaching gets better and as the players get more comfortable, this team could take off still. The season's not lost. We shouldn't leave the Paradise Jam hanging our heads and thinking that this is, we shouldn't make the tournament and we're not going to make the tournament. I still feel great about what can happen with this team, but we need to see our coaching staff step up to the plate and figure this thing out because the performance we had in the jam is just not up to par. Hey, Coomer, maybe Brandon had a point. We were going to learn a lot about this team after the Paradise Jam. And I think we did. I think, I think we, we learned did. some things. Beautiful. Hummer, I wanted this to be a quick hitter, and that, that that's exactly what it was. I appreciate you calling in twice from St. Thomas. I'll figure this is going to be our last podcast for the week, and we'll drop one after the UNLV game next week. Appreciate everybody listening, as always. Share your thoughts and feedback with us on Twitter. We love we love uh, communicating with our with our audience there. At Cincy Slang is the handle. 
We're also available on email, cincyslangin at gmail.com. Please feel free, if you're enjoying the podcast, to head to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. It's super helpful for getting the word out. We appreciate the feedback we get from our listeners. Uh, I actually appreciated a, a recent review we got, Hummer. Um, it was it made me laugh. It made me chuckle. Solid analysis and fun takes. I don't know what the hell, quote, slanging is, but this is a good podcast for Bearcat fans. Glad I found it. Guys, we're out here slanging all day, every day. That was from <laughs> B-Cat Jim. Jim, thanks for listening, buddy. Thanks for the review. Hummer, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Folks, we'll touch base with you next week. Thanks.